Hey guys, it's David. Welcome to Sadness Town. This is the seventh episode of the Sadness Town podcast, recorded Saturday, October 25th at the Bathtub Republic in Washington, D.C. My guest on this episode is Michael Foodie, comedian, genius, Facebook iconoclast, uh, and uh, one of my favorite people, just in general. Um, I want to I wanna keep this short, uh, so before I get into the podcast, I just want to warn you guys... Uh, there is an extended and arcane discussion of 1990s WCW wrestling, um, which if uh, if you're anything like the audience that was like most of the audience that was there for the recording, uh, you might glaze over a bit. Uh, that lasts about 15 minutes. If you want to skip past it, just go to the the 50 minute mark. Um, but I hope you'll listen to it because I really enjoy it. Um, Upcoming shows, I'm doing a Sadness Town in Seattle. I don't know if I have any sad, any Seattle listeners, uh, but I'm going to be recording on November 12th at uh, the at Naked City Brewery and Tap House in Greenwood, Seattle. And my guest on that is going to be Derek Sheen, who is one of my absolute favorite comedians and one of my oldest friends in comedy. Uh, I really can't wait to do that show, and I hope some of you hear this and uh, can make it out. Um... Yeah, usual shit. Uh, if you want to email me, davidsadnesstown at gmail.com. You can find stand updates on the website at davidtwitey.com, as well as previous episodes of the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Give us five stars. Uh, yeah, that's it. Here's me and Michael Foodie. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for coming out tonight for a live podcast recording of Sadness Town. With David Twardy, with tonight's guest featuring Michael Foodie. <laughs> Hi, guys. Were you about to say my name again? I was about to say your name for a third time, yes. This is Sadness Town. Uh, I am David Twardy. Let's establish that right up front. Let's open this baby up with a reading of the Sadness Town Charter. Item number one, this is a safe space. We're here to celebrate the fact that although being alive is a cruel and difficult thing, we're all much better at it than we used to be. Item number two, you were not cool in high school. You were a tragic, awkward car wreck of a human being, and so was everybody else. Pretensions to the contrary will not be tolerated. Item number three, at the end of the show, everybody hugs. No exceptions. All right, guys, what's up? How are you feeling tonight? Yeah, this is Sadness Town. I am David Twitey. I think we all know that by now. Uh, so this this song that I'm opening with, uh, this is uh, Youth of a Nation by P.O.D. Uh, off of their 2001 album Satellite. Uh, this peaked at number 28 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, their album Satellite was actually released on September 11th, 2001. Um, so this is def- this album is definitely not the worst thing that came out that day. This is a Christian new metal band, and this song uh, I chose about a week ago, and then. Uh, Something terrible happened yesterday in Marysville, Washington that's kind of appropriate to this song. And I, uh, I don't want to bum everyone out right up front, but I thought, like, I thought about changing the opening song, like maybe this is too close to home. 
I was like, if we... I mean, there's going to be another one of these things coming down the pipe, and then they're like, oh, don't talk about this P.O.D. song now. Now is not the time to talk about P.O.D. But what better time is there to talk about P.O.D.? Right? I think we can all agree on that. But this song, uh, this song tackles uh, I don't, uh, things such as uh, teen suicide and... Uh, and school shootings with the tone of a vice principal trying to look cool at assembly. <laughs> she, looked, she looked for love in all the wrong places. The same situations, just different faces. Like, it's great. It's like it was written by a guy who wanted to send a message to the kids and just found out that the kids like hip-hop music. <laughs> Uh, here to discuss this and all things else with me, uh, please welcome my guest, Michael Foodie. Hey, David. Yay. I'm very happy to be here. Wow. This is exciting, right? Yeah, this is. This stuff dreams are made of. Um, yeah, so uh, this, band, this band is a. POD is a, it's short for Payable on Death. That's their little joke, is like. Oh, heavy. Uh, yeah. Like they, they're like we're we're gonna play like Ozfest or whatever, and everyone else is going to hell. But you can come, be wrapped in our warm embrace, our white guys with dreadlocks embrace. I don't know. Do you remember these guys? Like I, I, was... I remember they had the video with uh, table tennis, like an extreme version of table tennis. That was probably not this song. That wasn't the song. That I am gonna the... guess that this is not this song. <laughs> that was the other song. But uh, I don't remember. Alive. Right. I, it's like, I feel so alive for the very first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And I think I can fly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, actually, I'm going to start doing this on this show because, like, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to start uh, giving you uh, the allmusic.com rating of all of these. Because I don't know if you've ever been to that website, but they have never heard an album they didn't love. <laughs> this album Satellite got four stars from allmusic.com and the reviewer said that it was uh, the sentiment feels genuine <laughs> so they, <laughs> they have sentiments and they feel pretty genuine like that is a guy who's trying real hard to get the message across like uh we are the youth of an age. Now you're in your 30s and you're in a Christian new metal band. I don't, th I don't think there's a less representative thing of most youth in any nation, really. Hmm, I don't know. Lots of, lots of young people are Christian. Like, they're trained that way by their parents until they wake up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then they move on to Rage Against the Machine from this. They had a song called Wake Up. It's not important. Oh, yeah. Then they were a similar style of music. That was why it. I mean, like aside from that joke not working, I think it worked on every level. <laughs> the basement level. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this for all you at home. Yeah, we're back in the uh, uncomfortably red uh, 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 aura of the bathtub republic here in Washington D.C. Um, yeah, so uh, where where did you grow up, uh, Michael Foodie? You were uh, 
You're from you're from the East Coast, right? Yeah, I grew up in upstate New York, like a very small city. New York City, which is even bigger, or New York State, which is even bigger than New York City. Right. What was it like having all those people around? There weren't many people around. It was like a Rust Belt style. What was the what was the name of the town? Binghamton. That that sounds like a Rust Belt. Yeah, it style. sounds like the Billy Joel Allentown. Yeah. Like it, and it does capture the sort of. Uh, malaise of uh, degeneration, the town of decline. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so uh, you're, you're a little bit older than me. When, when did you graduate high school? I graduated high school in 2000. We were the smoke three class of 2000. Wait, we pledged a, not to smoke. Is that just for graduating high school? Or <laughs> <laughs> you made it, buddy. 2000, 2000, is uh, yeah, it was a heady time. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh pre, it was, like, like Y2K. Yeah, uh, my dad bought barrels and generators and stuff. He got switched. Seriously? Yeah, he thought, he thought Y2K was gonna be a legit doomsday, and he, he wanted to be ready. Well, but now he has those in case. Like, you'd rather, like, have barrels and generators and not need them than be, like, in a situation where you're like, fuck, where are all our barrels and generators? That's a fair point, but... Me personally, I'd prefer to have the money that I spent on barrels and generators, like accruing interest, rather than having this garbage clogging up my life. You are a financially wise person, and that's what I've always respected about you. I'm glad I'm a very frugal man. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you wanna you wanna dive into this? Let's uh, yeah, head first, baby. All right, let's, let's get this head first, and yet with both feet somehow. <laughs> Everyone knows this song. Yeah, this I didn't go deep cuts. I was incapable. Like I'm I'm going chronologically, and as a child, you're not gonna. Be like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't listen to the B sides, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not how it works for a little kid. I, I like this. I thought it was totally extreme. I was only into garaging. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Enter Sandman by Metallica. You already know that. This is off of their 1991 album, uh, Metallica, also known as the Black Album, which got a uh, four and a half stars from. Uh, Allmusic.com. That's uh, if you're keeping score. That is half a star better than Satellite by P.O.D. Seems fair. Uh, this song peaked at number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, and reached number one in Finland. They know how to do it there. In case you're unimpressed by that first <laughs> statistic, uh, the Wikipedia article had some very odd details. This is one of their most played live songs. According to Wikipedia, they've played it 1,133 times. I don't know how often they update that. But it didn't just say that. It was like, behind only for whom the bell tolls, which has 1,200 and this many. Like, they had a whole, like, top five. Uh, so, and then that's when we found out that Metallica have Asperger's Syndrome. Right. I, I think that they just need, Wikipedia needs Metallica to stop touring. Yeah. Just to uh, make their life manageable. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are spending so much manpower on keeping up with the most played Metallica songs. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it was, uh, this is a band that I've kind of come back to in the past few years, where it's like, it was, like, when I was in high school, like, I was into them in, like, eighth grade, and then I got into high school, and then they came out with all that St. Anger bullshit, and everyone hated them. Oh, yeah, that was garbage music. Oh, it was terrible. And then you come back to the old stuff, it's like, holy shit, this still packs a punch. Yeah, it's, it's the most heavy metal sounding heavy metal music, without, like, descending into, like, just noise rock silliness, yeah. Like without being a heavy metal clown. Yeah. Like, this, this is how you sound badass. Yeah. Yeah, it's got swagger, but they're not like. It's, it's got like, swagger. They know. They, you, oh, you. <laughs> is that a weird thing to say? <laughs> I think it's a weird thing to say about Metallica. <laughs> I don't know. I think they got swagger. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they move like uh, dagger. Agree to disagree. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I can see that we are coming from different places. Because uh, I'm picturing like an old western cowboy sort of way. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking like the sort of uh, circa 2011 slang. No. So what I meant was the opposite of what you meant. <laughs> like a cool cowboy. Yeah. 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 It's just like Swing they got a guitar. They just got a big swinging dick. You know. They got at least little... one between the five of them, or whatever. I, I'm sure, like, with five people, there's got to be at least one above average dick. Oh, dude, I don't know if you've seen what Rob Trujillo looks like, but I'll bet he's packing something serious. I, I don't know how to, like, tell whether a guy has a big cock just by looking at his face. Because I've been surprised, you know? I think I just said something racist about Chilean people. But... <laughs> I, I think that's fine. I don't think they're... Or Venezuelan or wherever he's from. I, I, I think you're... Whatever, uh, uh, you're countries. Deeper. Yeah. <laughs> I think I said something racist about, I don't know, whatever kind of Mexican he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Metallica so much. It seemed so dark and badass when I was a small child. Yeah. I, I was like a... Deep troubled kid, you know. I uh, would write like scary essays, and uh, the during parent-teacher conferences, they would be like, "Is, is Michael okay?" Like I, I'd get write about like hunting cats because I'm yeah, still yeah. like a kid, but, right? Uh, Right. Uh, if it's a small town and you're like a kid who's like into the devil and shit, like that's yeah. gonna—it's like the West Memphis Three or whatever, or the Genus Six. I'm thinking of something else. I, I, I'm unfamiliar with these references. Never mind. Gina, the Genus 6 were, I, uh, it's like some dudes who, uh, never mind. I don't know. I just realized I don't know enough about this case to be the only one talking about it here. Yeah, but I thought the devil was very cool. I thought, uh, darkness and death was, was re really bad and cool. Uh-huh. I uh, wore clothes that my mom picked out for me. It's not like I dressed in all black, but uh, I, I drew like skulls in my notebooks and stuff. I was real legit. Wow. Uh, yeah, just uh, just kid shit. But uh, did you did you ever have to like go to the principal's office over any of this? Uh, yeah, I wrote like uh, I wrote an essay about like how uh, everyone in school was like ghosts and. Uh, I that they had to sort out whether that was some sort of threat, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't. I was I, was, I never really got in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you wrote an essay. What do you mean? Like for 
like, uh, what, what, like, like a couple tell paragraphs. us about your summer or whatever. I don't it, it was like a creative writing thing, and I wrote about how uh, I went to school and it was all ghosts. Okay, uh, th that could be a pretty good Adult Swim series, I think. Wait, wasn't that a? I'm thinking of clones. Oh yeah, Clone High. Yeah, that I think that was. MTV mm -hmm. or MTV2, maybe. For uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to do TV as well on this set in this town. Um, but yeah, so like that was... Uh, I, I think this was like my first introduction to heavier music, too. It was like, the, this was like, like right when we got Napster, this is like some of the first shit my brother downloaded was like pretty much everything from this album. So it was like this and like Nothing Else Matters and all these other ones where it was like, they're almost, uh, it's almost kind of balladry at some point, but... Uh, but it's still got a, a heaviness and a threateningness to it. Yeah, it made me feel like a real man, even though I was just a boy. It made me feel like I could take on the world, crush anything in front of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite thing. If you're if you're ever like stressed out and you're like alone, just do James Hetfield. Yeah, to yourself, and it'll get you going. Like, I did a few before I left home tonight. So this show should really be going better so far, but <laughs> just when you get out of bed, like you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off, you you uh, you roll over, hit snooze, and then then uh, then lie on your back, look up at the ceiling, and you go yes yeah, and then get out of bed <laughs> and fucking attack your day. That's a pretty good yeah. I don't think. I can. That's when uh, yeah, at at first dawn at exit Sandman. Uh, that's when you. <laughs> It's funny, like, it's supposed to be, like, this badass scary song, but it's about, like, having a bad dream. Yeah. <laughs> a very scary dream. Right, right, yeah. They're like, uh, well, it does the whole bridge where it's just a dude, like, a grown man going, now I lay me down to sleep. And it's like, well, all right. Is that a monster in my bed? Yeah. Oh, no. If you actually had, like, a little girl doing this right now, that would be spooky, but just a grown man doing it is just silly as hell. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be scared of the dark as an Adult heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just <laughs> so, but yeah, you like you you think you're a guy who can pull off the denim vest, no no sleeves situation, and you're like a scared a scared. You're a scared of the dark. <laughs> it's off the Never Neverland. Oh no, Captain Hook, <laughs> he's after me. <laughs> That is a good point that they, they invoke uh, Peter Pan <laughs> and it's uh, off to the island of lost boys. <laughs> We're going off to Wonderland. <laughs> the one makes you bigger. <laughs> this is a weird cover. All right, let's keep this going. Uh, I like, man, this one I hadn't heard in a long time and I still, I really like this song. <laughs> this is Aerosmith with Living on the Edge off their album Get a Grip, which came out in 1993. Uh, this song peaked at number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, the album Get a Grip received two and a half stars from AllMusic.com. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> So again, if you're keeping score, that's one and a half stars worse than Satellite by P.O.D. That's the worst rating anything on all music has ever gotten. And the worst thing that the reviewer says in the thing is, Aerosmith try too hard. 
I mean, it's hard to disagree with, but if yeah. that's a, a sticking point for you, you should find another genre of music to be into. Yeah, I think the whole hard rock is like one of the most tryhard genres where you have four-year-olds with like too many buttons unbuttoned. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, like like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. How much longer are you gonna keep going up there? Showing your whole leather body to everybody, like you're not Iggy Pop. You can't. This isn't cute when you do it. I was definitely going to invoke Iggy Pop right after he said it, but you spoiled it for me. No, Iggy Pop can do it because he's Iggy Pop. Like if you're like, hey, I'm over 55. Should I wear a shirt on? Or like, it's like a flow chart. You're like, should I wear a shirt on stage? Uh, are you over 55? Yes. Are you Iggy Pop? No. <laughs> then wear a fucking shirt. That seems fair to me. I don't, I don't think you really need the flow chat though. It's pretty simple to figure out. Yeah. But I'm just saying, people like those these days. People like infographics. People do. Uh, but yeah, so how old were you when you were like getting into Aerosmith in a big way? Uh, I don't think that I got into Aerosmith in a big way. Alright, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to misrepresent you. <laughs> but I really did dig the song. I thought the video was very cool. I loved how he almost got hit by a train. I loved the body paint. I loved the nude men. Oh, I should have looked this up. Yeah, it's an incredible video. That just jogged my memory. I was watching the video for Enter Sandman. Like, one of the last scenes in it is a man running from a truck. <laughs> <laughs> He's lots of vehicular manslaughter in these first couple. Steve Perry's playing guitar on the train tracks. He doesn't even give a fuck. The train's bearing down on him. And yeah. then he just walks away really casually at the last second. Because he's, yeah, living on the edge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there other risky situations he puts himself in? Where... Not, not really. It's not really a coherent narrative. Uh, <laughs> Steven Tyler uh, is painted I expect better from Aerosmith painted half black body paint and uh, half just uh, his nude regular body and he's holding his nude regular body and he's holding his like ding dong uh, to like cover up himself because it's a music video and it's not like 1980s Duran Duran and <laughs> Like when it goes as to opposed to the other more popular Duran Duran. <laughs> well, they haven't really had much nudity in their music videos since then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, which I am totally comfortable with, as I've already established. But when it says the yeah living on the edge, like one of the bandmates, I don't know who, painted in green body paint, looking like a fucking goblin, hops out of like the black half of his body. <laughs> And, and like delivers the yeah living on the edge, which is what the song's really all about. Yeah, I uh, I mean I like Aerosmith uh, for their ability to tell the whole story with the title of the song. It's like, what are you doing? Living where on the edge? What is, what's happening? Love where an elevator. <laughs> What's the subject? Uh, it's a dude. What's the? What's he doing? He's looking like a lady. Uh, who, who's this Janie character? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, what, what? What she got there? We have all the necessary <laughs> details. Like they went to journalism school or something. It's like that Hemingway, like 
for sale baby shoes, never used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's every That Aerosmith is my time. favorite Aerosmith song. <laughs> <laughs> baby shoes, never used. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I just realized now that I like that about them. There's a lot to like about Aerosmith. Let's just let this play through into the next one. Also a very good way to start your day. You could do the you could do the uh, James Hetfield yeah, yeah, or the Steven Tyler yeah, 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 yeah. I think that that's a better right before you tuck yourself in and yeah. it'll keep the monsters oh, from perfect. under your bed. That's perfect. Yeah, you wake up, you go yeah, yeah, and then hit it, go to work. Have a whole day. Come out to Bathtub Republic, see Sadness Town, go back home, go, yeah, 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 yeah. It like sums up your day right at the end. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Stop it. Just go ahead. <laughs> This is New Age Girl by Dead Eye Dick. Uh, this is off their 1994 album, A Different Story. Also off of Dumb and Dumber, the original motion pitch picture soundtrack. <laughs> the Dumb and Dumber motion picture soundtrack got three stars from allmusic.com. So if you're keeping score, that's half a star better than Get a Grip by Eros. <laughs> This song peaked at number 27 on Billboard Hot 100, and they are so much of a one-hit wonder that I, the album didn't even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> like, at least the Dumb and Dumber original motion picture soundtrack had a section on the Dumb and Dumber film. Uh, that's another good thing to do in the morning, by the way. <laughs> this is great. This is just full of power sounds that you can make on your own. Yeah, I, I think that that uh, was very important for me in youth. Like, in, instead of having like a mantra that I rely on these days, I, I just you just like, pop out of bed, animal yeah, 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 I'll get out of the shower, animalistic <laughs> noises. Yeah, yeah. My my friend uh, who lived on my block was very into this song, and uh, we used to uh, harass one of our. Uh, classmates, whose name was Carrie Joe. Okay. The song, it's Mary Mo. But we would be like, hey, Carrie Joe, suck my bone. <laughs> and then we'd play that part of the song. Yeah, I don't know how familiar you guys are with this song, but the chorus is about a girl who's a new age girl. <laughs> uh, and she is a vegetarian. That's the thing that keeps coming up. And then the last line of the chorus is, she don't eat meat, but she sure like a bone. Yeah. It, was, it was perfect for uh, teen slash tween. Yeah. This is basically a novelty song. <laughs> it, it, it does have a lot of... Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's like, like uh, this was a rallying cry for people who were like, why are women vegetarians now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought of it as like more of like a character study, personally. Right. But, uh, that's just how I read it. I, yeah. I, I, 
I mean, there are a lot of versions I, of this. I think, I think uh, when it does get to the pun about uh, liking, liking the bone, referring, of course, to a man's ding-dong, yeah, I think it's a... Oh, Jesus! Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah I, like, it's not just that she's a vegetarian, but it'll have, like, But she soup. loves to fuck. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, uh, make up a nice stew. <laughs> Whatever. That was that was stupid. I wish I could turn it back on. <laughs> it's alright. I'm gonna edit most of this show out. So. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, so how wait, how old were you at this point? I'm sorry. I, I think I was like 14. Okay. Something like that. And so you you just what was her name? Uh, Carrie Joe. Carrie Joe. Yeah. And we like we were like little ghouls, man. This guy. <laughs> we did such bad shit. He had a neighbor who was, like, slow, like, not enough so that he has, like, an official disease condition, but, like, just a very stupid just, young man. Um, like, enough so that it's, just like... Just, like, as stupid does. It's yeah. not, like, yeah. Yeah, if it was, like, the 1800s, he'd be, like, a village idiot or something. <laughs> Instead of just, like, a idiot, like, in modern times. Yeah, there are fewer career options for idiots than there used to be. And... Yeah, well, there's always human resources, am I right, you guys? <laughs> we started this, Office humor. We started this very mean rumor about how uh, he uh, took his mom's panties and put it on a teddy bear and had sex with the teddy bear. <laughs> and uh, we would, like... We would call that is up, an exceptionally mean rumor. We would call up, like, radio stations and, like... Have him play Elvis's My Teddy Bear and dedicate it to him. And uh, yeah, he, he, he couldn't fight back because he was too dumb. One time in like, it, it was a very snowy day and the football field, we tramped out. In, in the football field, we tramped out in the snow. The words like football. Field scale. Tommy loves Teddy. His name's Tommy. <laughs> For the whole world to see. God, if that had been a little bit later, and that was like the one day that they use for like the Google Maps. Like, <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened here? Yeah. Then my purposeless meanness would be like more durable. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like this kid is lucky that the internet was not as far reaching. Like, if there had been social media. <laughs> You, you would have had all these groups, uh, both open and closed. You'd have a, a fan page for Tommy and his <laughs> and Teddy. Yeah. Uh, children are cruel, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. There was one time when I was in high school, they had like a, like a motivational speaker come to our eyes. <laughs> and he was terrible. He was the worst. He was like... He, he was, like, wearing a leather jacket. He had kind of a Nick DiPaolo vibe about him, you know? But he was, like, he was like, you need to be more like kids. Kids see the best in each other. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> There's no one more unnecessarily cruel than children. Oh, yeah, I would be a ghoul if, like, it made, if it made someone, like, smile. Like, yeah, if, right, right. If I got any social approval at all, I don't care who gets hurt. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, how are you going to give us this motivational speaker and assign Lord of the Flies? Like, there's some cognitive <laughs> dissonance here. You know? 
Uh, all right, uh, let's let's uh, keep on uh, going. This is my this is my favorite song that's been on the podcast so far. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to let this build. The payoff is unbelievable. American males, American males, American males, American males. This is the American Males entrance theme song. Uh, the American Males were a WCW tag team of Marcus Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. Uh, they were formed in August 1995 and disbanded in November 1996. Pretty good run. Oh, Jesus, hang on, I have to go back. That's the best one. This is the line. Just give me a second here. If they want to talk to you, you better not listen. You might wind up in critical condition. What does that mean? If one of these guys says some shit to you, just walk away. Because the American males don't like anyone engaging them in conversation. That'll get you in critical condition. American males. The voice sounds so nerdy. American <laughs> Should keep a tally of the number of times they say it. It's like, whose theme song is this? Oh, yeah, 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 from two seconds ago. So this is a short one, so I queued up a bunch of other WCW oh, mid-90s entrance themes so we can just talk <laughs> over those. Um, but yeah, so this is something you and I had in common. We were both into WCW during the Monday Night Wars in the 1990s. I started out WWF for a while, but uh, eventually WCW got me, and it was this sort of production values that did The bodies on these two, wow. The... So I was just thinking about this, because I was into... I was really into WCW, um because all my friends were, but I didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch any of it except when I was at my friend's house. So the one pay-per-view I saw was Bash at the Beach. Um, <laughs> oh, this is Goldberg. Yeah, this is uh, Goldberg, who went on like a 175-0 winning streak in the, in the late 90s in, w, in WCW. Goldberg yeah. hurt himself very badly just pounding like a gorilla on a car. <laughs> and it had one window of like regular breakaway glass and he smashed it yeah and then he just kept smashing the car <laughs> and the other windows were just actual glass and he cut up his hands very badly did nerve damage and shit and he had to like 
be out of wrestling for a very long time. And when he was done, he was never the same. Not that he was ever an incredible man. No, he wasn't very good. He was just really muscular and he yelled a lot. He had, he had like a nice physical charisma, right? Like, he, he had something to it. He had like a gravitas to the way that he moved around the ring. So I don't want to like totally yeah. rag on no, him for like, not being Dean Malenko. Right, and he looked like a Jewish gorilla. It was amazing. He was like, like the, that's the baddest ass Jew that, the, that I had available when I was a kid, was Bill Goldberg. I'm surprised he wasn't cast in like a Nazi revenge movie. <laughs> He's been in a, oh, he was in a movie called Santa's Slay? Did anyone see this? <laughs> I think the answer is no. There was a movie <laughs> called, there was a movie called Santa's Slay, Slay spelled S-L-A-Y. <laughs> That was a movie about uh, Santa Claus going berserk and murdering a bunch of people. And Bill Goldberg, whose theme song this is, whose Darth Vader theme song just made a key change there, uh, played Santa Claus. He was a murderous Santa Claus in a movie. That sounds incredible. Uh, it's not. It's really. Oh, it's not, not worth your time. He's the mur- He plays the murderous Santa Claus. Yeah. Okay. I was picturing him as like. Just like the a perfect dad. Like, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Overcoming this berserk Santa. <laughs> this Santa run amok. That is what I pictured when you were describing Yeah, him. he's like a badass rabbi who goes to war. Yeah, Santa's gone haywire. He's murdering everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like that Futurama episode or the uh, Weird Al song from like 10 10- 15 years ago. I'm familiar with the Futurama episode, but not the Weird There was a Weird Al song that was a parody of, I can't remember the name of it, by uh, Soul Asylum, I think, uh, that was called, uh, it was called The Night Santa Went Crazy, and it was about Santa going on a killing spree and murdering all his reindeer and shit. Uh, This is the NWO theme. Yeah. I love this. They did, like, 70s porn music. It was very subversive. It was very on the edge. Yeah, they came out to this. Hulk Hogan came out to this for a while. New, 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 new world order. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, I was into WCW until SmackDown came out, and that was on UPN, which was a network channel, so I could watch that. Before that, I was stuck with uh, 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 Sunday morning or Saturday morning Thunder, which was the WCW's like. Uh, we have this time slot. Let's have some dudes fight in it. I don't know. Yeah, I paid no money for wrestling growing up, so I was confined to the television, uh, over-the-air wrestling that was available. Eventually, I got USA Network so I could watch Monday Night Raw, the premiere wrestling show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when the Monday Night Wars really heat up, like... The NWO storyline is what got me fascinated with it. They were so bad. Yeah. They were very rude. They would knock people out and spray paint their initials on them. It was really mean. They wanted to tear everything down, but they wanted to put up nothing instead. Yeah, they they were like... Incredible. It was very weird. It was kind of like... It was kind of an advanced concept. They were like the Joker in Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman. They had a pay-per-view that was an empty arena, and them just beating up people in this empty arena. Yeah, they were... So they booked matches where they were, like, very likely to win, like, defiantly creating an inferior wrestling product, where yeah. they would just beat up jobbers yeah. in front of an arena of no one. It was incredible. It was just tearing down wrestling. It was 
revealing the wizard behind the character. All right, it was very not, no, that was a very weird era for uh, pro wrestling because like I don't I don't know if like I, I know like there are two of you who have any fucking clue what we're talking about right now, but like. There was a time when, like, the it was huge in the 90s, and WCW and WWF were going, like, trading blows. Like, uh, WCW taped Nitro, which was their show live, and uh, WWF pre-taped Raw. Oh, they tattled on the Mankind win. Yeah, so, and like... that's what turned the tide. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were such dicks, like, they... Because they filmed their show live, uh, on Nitro, like, Eric Bischoff, who was the main asshole over there... Went on and he was like, uh, uh, just to let you know, because Raw was pre-taped, he said, and Raw tonight, Mankind is going to win the World Heavyweight Championship. And if you don't know Mick Foley, he does comedy clubs now, uh, but he's fantastic. But like, they, uh, but everyone changed the channel after they said that because they wanted to see that happen. They're like, this sounds awesome. They like accidentally did a commercial for the other product. And it was a decisive changing moment. I yeah. can't believe it. Normally history is so tidally summed up, right? Like normally the like battles are less decisive. Yeah. But this this was like the changing point and inflection on the growth of these companies, and ultimately it decided the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. But battle blunder. Yeah. So that was it was crazy. I was I was into that when I was. How how old were you when you stopped? following wrestling or do you still I know uh, I stopped following wrestling about 22 recently okay. I sort of resumed that is older than the average person oh, okay you're, you're uh, doing it again yeah I'm watching I'm not watching wrestling again but I'm reading what happens on their pay-per-views I'm reading wrestling blogs <laughs> you just stay abreast of it you follow it yeah. you know once in a while they'll have like a promo or a clip I'll see uh, like John Cena get body slammed a lot of times. He's the only guy that I know who's on there anymore. I, I quit watching when I was, it was like 10 years ago. I think I was like 16. They, uh, they've always had guys who had crazy gimmicks. Like there was one guy named Gangrel in the 90s who like, or in the early 2000s, who was a vampire. Like his thing was he was, he's a, he's a pro wrestling vampire. Like it's like he drinks blood. But he also like does sleeper holds and shit. Like, just, I will old? body slam you and then suck out your essence. Like, what are you? What are you doing? It makes no sense. Like the Undertaker, the, famously, is a, a fun Gangrel fact. Okay. Gangrel was owned by White Wolf Publishing, or like paper RPG yeah. company, like an alternate Dungeons and Dragons themed around vampires, and it was owned by that company. Uh, wow! So, so it was like a crossover character that they were doing. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't originate in the wrestling universe. That's really weird. That's like, well, I mean, uh, they kind of did that in WCW. Like, Sting just was the crow at some point. Like, <laughs> there was a guy named Sting who was in. He's been around forever, and back in the day, he had a crew cut and like blue face paint. And then the crow came out, and people, and the like. He was like, "People love the crow. I'm just gonna be that character." 
So he wore white face, white and black face paint, and he incredible. he hung out in the rafters of the arena. He like <laughs> hung out on the maintenance catwalk. Like that was just a. It's like a wrestling spider. Yeah. Just lying in wait. But so like another match would be happening in the ring, and the camera would cut to Sting, he would just watching with a terrible view because he's just got a bird's eye view from like two hundred feet up. But it was, yeah, it was so fucking stupid. But it was hugely popular. He was my favorite when I first started. Am I ever going to find this? God, I have a... I, there we go. Um, but yeah, what, what... When I decided to check out was when I was like 16 and uh, WWE introduced a character named The Boogeyman. <laughs> oh, I don't watch whose that. Whose catchphrase was... I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. <laughs> and he ate worms. <laughs> he wore red and black face paint and smashed alarm clocks on his head. <laughs> and, like, carried a smoking staff out to the ring. And it was... Kinda racist, right? Like at least kind. Well, it was his idea, so I guess you can't really say that. No, but you can say that it's racist. Yeah, he was acting out someone else, or the capitalist system chose to elevate this. Yeah, you can. He's definitely a racist character. But this guy, this guy, like this guy has the saddest story because the real guy, like, is this dude who's like he was like in his early forties and he'd been like tooling around like the minor leagues for like decades. And then he got on Tough Enough, which was a reality show competition that WWF started doing, like, be the next superstar, which was really weird where you'd see him on a reality show, and then they show up, and now they're like a wizard or something (laughs) for some reason. It's just like... uh, But so he was a competitor on that show, and he lied about his age, and he said he was, like, 10 years younger, and he, like, tooled around in the minors for a very long time. And then he's like, all right, I came up with this character where I smash alarm clocks on my head and I eat worms. I will eat worms if you just give me a shot at being in like the in the pros. And uh, they're like, all right, yeah, let's do this. Let's pull the trigger on this boogeyman fella. And so the character was weird, but kind of popular. But again, it's so... I wonder how much merch he sold. My 16-year-old brain was so... was like, you don't want to walk around wearing a shirt that says, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> Especially if you look like a WWE fan. Uh, but it's a, they... So he, he, he's doing this character and like uh, it was uh, is this I, the Gangrel song? yeah it is the, okay. this is Gangrel's theme song um, but I remember like in my 16 year old brain going like why is he wrestling people? like why he can like apparate out of nothing and disappear in a puff of smoke why is he setting his sights so low? <laughs> It's like, I have supernatural powers. You know what I want more than anything in the world? is the Intercontinental Championship. (laughs) It's a belt. It's got gold on it. Great. Uh, But so, this guy's eating worms, and he's sick constantly. Because he's pouring mouthfuls of worms down his gullet on national television. And, but, so, like, I was just watching that character, and I was like... I don't, I don't think this is for me. And also noticing how many toy commercials there are during WWF events. Yeah, I watched it a lot as a child. It's such a weird 
it's such a weird capitalist expression of some sort of id. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just catharsis, you know? I'm just been, that was stupid. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Uh, and uh, take that home with you and tell everyone you know. This has been Wrestling Corner with David Twighty and Michael Foodie. I know too much about wrestling. There's some things, like, if you know too much about them, it's, like, suspicious. I mean, even if you're, even if you're not a fan anymore, it's so, uh, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating subculture, and it's a fascinating, fascinating thing that's grown as an extension of American culture. Yeah. I think applying theory to wrestling leads you down some very interesting rabbit holes. <laughs> when I, uh... When I was uh, uh, in uh, in high school, we had to write an essay one time about uh, the anti-hero. Like we had to write about two like hero archetypes, and I went with the hero and the anti-hero. And we were supposed to use like literary examples, uh, and I used Hulk Hogan for the hero, <laughs> and Stone Cold Steve Austin for the anti-hero. That makes perfect sense. And I did research. I cited books and individual storylines. I made very good comparisons between Hulk Hogan's uh, Miss Elizabeth storyline from the 80s and uh, Lancelot's crisis with, uh, I don't remember, Morgan Le Fay or some shit in, uh, in Arthurian legend, and I got a D for it. <laughs> well, it seems like a good premise for the work. But uh, depending on the quality of the work, maybe I got a D. Who knows? Yeah, I haven't revisited it since I <laughs> submitted it for evaluation in the 10th grade. Sup, dude? You just missed Wrestling Corner. Let's keep this going. <laughs> I don't remember what my next song was. Uh, I got distracted by wrestling. It's this one. This is Are You Jimmy Ray by Jimmy Ray. This is off his 1998 album, Jimmy Ray, which received three stars from allmusic.com. So it's as good as the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. Uh, This song peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, which is strange to me, because this is 98, I would have been 10, so maybe it's not that weird, but I have no recollection of this song at all. I think this was <coughs> briefly a very popular song, it had a ridiculous man, he had a, he was a British rockabilly man with like a huge pompadour. Right. Singing this idiot song. And his name is, uh, uh Jimmy Ray. He was... Very clear about that. It's like a Rico Suave song. Yeah. It's just someone introducing themselves. Are there any others of those? I've never really thought about how unique Rico Suave is as a song. Because I can't think of a single other pop song where the name of the song is just the name of the person singing it. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. I can't think of any of that. They're like bands who have songs with the same title as their band, but... Uh, yeah, I, that's not, the that's hardly the same thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Um, but yeah, so how old were you when this when this was a thing in your life? Like 17. Okay. <laughs> I, so I started slicking my hair back. I thought it was a very cool look. I thought this rockabilly look was a very cool look. Do you have any photographs from that? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, God. Have, during this time in technology, photographs, you have to have a camera present. You, have to, you can only take 32 of them, and then you need to like manually make copies of them. I tell you, the kids these days, they don't even know. Photographs are rare. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, that's true. It's like, uh, I mean, I watch a lot of Pawn Stars, and you'll see, like, Jesse James. There's a photograph of Jesse James that's worth $20,000, and that's not going to happen in, like, 100 years. It's like, here's something from Hitler's Instagram. Like, you can... <laughs> I wish Hitler had had Instagram, actually. Um, Just pictures of sausage, like, excited for breakfast. I'm not sure that's what Hitler's Instagram would be like. Oh, wait, he was a vegetarian. I forgot about that. I think it would probably be, like, a very hate-filled Instagram. It would probably be very scary, but maybe scarily popular. Would it I just want be, like, racist cartoons? I wouldn't trust Hitler with social media. I, I don't think Hitler should be trusted with most things. Like, let's not get me wrong here. I'm not saying <laughs> that we should give him a position in our current society. Like, if someone's like, we figured out how to clone Hitler, it's like, keep that to yourself. We don't, <laughs> we, we don't need that. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, hack joke premise. <laughs> Can you imagine if Jesus was on Twitter? I'd, I'd like to imagine that for a moment. What would you be like? All right, everyone listening at home, pause the podcast. Take a moment, just picture Jesus' Instagram feed. I bet you, if I was if I was Jesus, I would just have like Welcome a vine back. of me doing musical miracles on people. I would just vine me doing miracles. That shit would blow up. I think everyone would start believing in me. I don't know if that's true because there's like a guy who does magic on the with the editing on the vibe. They're like, it's an editing trick. Like, Jesus just knows how to edit real good. I mean, it's a very amusing video, but come on. Yeah, I think I would have to. If, well, I mean, if I'm Jesus, I choose to go off before the age of digital video. Right, like, I'm God, I choose to do that. Oh, that's a good point. Like, Jesus did that conscious because, like, God obviously predicted Twitter and everything. Like, he would have known about Twitter. Right. He's the... Uh, so I would have went off, like, with, uh... Actually, it's, it's too easy to affect the appearances of things for, like, me to trust anyone to be Jesus. Yeah. It's too... It's yeah, too exactly, easy. exactly. Like, if, uh... It's too easy to do magic tricks. Uh, if you showed someone a Michael Bay movie, like, uh, like, a uh, hundred years ago, and were like, this guy is Jesus, they'd believe you. Because they're like, I can't believe that was a truck, now it's like a metal man who's several stories tall. That was Jimmy Ray. What sorcery what's is the, this? What's the next song? <laughs> uh, let's go for it. Thank you. 
Uh, this is the first song that I played that I still think is a cool song. This is the Silver Jews with People. Uh, that's the name of the song. It's not like a featuring credit. Silver Jews with People. Uh, this is off their 1998 album, American Water. That got uh, four and a half stars from allmusic.com. This band is made up of poet David Berman uh, and then Stephen Malkmus and Bob Nastanovich, who are from the band Pavement. Uh, and uh, All Music Guide said about this one, boasts some of the Jews' best arrangements. Which, considering what they've done with the media, you know, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Yeah. Um, I was, at some point, like in my youth, I got my, the internet. Yeah. It was incredible. I could steal everything. Right. I could listen to whatever music I wanted in the entire world. And that was a great thing, and I didn't have to pay anyone a dime to do it. Yeah. I thought, this is the future. You can you can bounce hate to carry Joe off of a satellite and into his home. Oh, I regret doing that. <laughs> but yeah, technology is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And so you were. This was like you were in college by then, right? Yeah. I was just barely in college. I thought I'm gonna like tell people that this guy's poems are my poems. <laughs> this guy is a very good poet. He had a book of poetry. It's David Berman. But he is like an obscure guy, right? Like, ultimately, before the internet. Right. And I just started doing his poems in coffee shops, passing it off as my own. <laughs> Who, who the fuck is gonna call you on poetry plagiarism? Like, right. no That's one reads more than three poets. And it's always like Shel Silverstein is one of them. That's what I was banking on. Yeah. Back when I started, you had to, like, know all of the poets. Yeah. Like, you had to know all the poems to know if, like, a poem was stolen. Now you just right. like, take a sentence, plug it into the search engine, you right. find out. Good point, yeah. This guy is full of it. I got caught. I got caught by technology. You did? You got caught? Yeah. What, was there a confrontation? Like, you said the poem on, uh, on, on stage at a thing, and someone was like, that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, uh what's his name? David Berman. This woman pulls me to the side afterwards. She said, like, you shouldn't do this. And then I just, I had to like retire yeah. this broad persona. I, uh, I did, uh, I did poetry open mics for a while when I was in college. I, uh, some people did covers. Some people like went up and were like, I'm gonna read this thing by, so-and-so, it's like, wait, we could have done that on our own. What the fuck are you doing here? Uh, but yeah, I actually respect stealing something and presenting it at your, as your own, like, more than that approach. I think it's, uh, it was a great swindle, but it's one you can't do anymore. 
Also, it, it like operates on the assumption that you're like gonna get laid for your poetry or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that's always a dumb gambit. <laughs> it's like even dumber than thinking that comedy is gonna get you laid. It's like, like cause I've been there. Like I just gotta get in front of them and they'll see my heart. It's gonna be fucking beautiful. But yeah, it, it never pans out. Like no, no one's like, oh, that uh, that Anapest on that second stanza got me so fucking wet. <laughs> What's up, Michael? It would be funny if like back in Shakespeare's time. Girls got turned on by like really intricate rhymes. I'll bet they did. I'll bet like I'll bet you could still find those women somewhere. I don't know. Okay, Cupid probably. Do you like rhymes? That's a sample profile. I mean, I like rhymes. Yeah, I'm like in favor of them. But like, if I met someone who always talked in them, like, I mean, what's the extreme here? Like, is the extreme is am, obviously am Dr. Seuss. Am I fucking the Cheshire Cat right now? Like, what what's happening? <laughs> oh my God, I actually am fucking the Cheshire Cat right now. For those of you at home, just picture it. You don't have to picture it if you don't want to. <laughs> he can't make you picture that. But some of you did. That's a mind crime. <laughs> you can't just make people picture that. <laughs> On this show, I've played a song called Operation Mind Crime by Queensryche. I'm not familiar with the band. Oh, really? Because you just stole their poetry. description <laughs> of what I just did. Which I agree with you, yeah, yeah, that was assault of some kind. We're gonna edit all of this out. <laughs> we got a couple more songs, let's keep it going. I was Oh, I have another, this is another childhood cruelty story. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, when I... Freshman year of college, uh, the first person that introduced himself to me was a young, overweight Jewish fellow who called himself the animal, the party animal. <laughs> he was starting out in college at the university uh, as a junior after two years of community college. He wore his hat backwards and like did Dave Chappelle voice as like his voice. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> Are you gonna do a Dave Chappelle impression? I'm not gonna do it. Where's Randy Syfax when you need him? Uh, he would go on uh, campus television and say, Yo, I want to read this freestyle rap for you. And they would read a rap that he wrote. He would read a freestyle rap? He did that. I don't think that's what freestyle rap is. <laughs> that was the mistake you made. <laughs> I, st I have an issue with Danimal the party animal. 
How about Dan the Party Man? Like, so many things rhyme with Dan. Why did you add some bullshit to your name to make it rhyme with something that's less accurate? One mean prank that we played on Danimal the Party Animal. He had, he did a, uh, you know, take a picture of me drinking this vodka out of the bottle. Started drinking vodka out of the bottle. I'm waiting to take the picture. I'm, I sort of wait a little bit until he's sort of like clearly uncomfortable with it. drinking vodka out of the bottle and then I take the picture. Like half a second. Oh, you did it. Just, uh, just, just to, you just wait just for ten it. seconds. He's just looking. Like his eyes to, are tearing up. And he's just staring. I didn't have to wait that long. Yeah. But I, I, I like punished him with, with waiting. <laughs> and I took a picture of him like, like sort of pulling back from the vodka, disgusted. And then you post that on the internet and you tag it as Dan Orchard getting tortured. <laughs> oh, I don't. I did not post this on the internet. By the way, that his own physical camera. By the way, that last song was uh, "Every Monday" by Marvelous Three off of their 1998 album uh, "Hey" album. Uh, Allmusic.com said this was energetic and radio friendly, and it gave it four stars. <laughs> All right. Uh, my format is all I have. <laughs> I have to keep saying it, otherwise the just the f- meaningless facade breaks down in front of my eyes. <laughs> Did you do you have any other like uh, stories about getting uh, Dan Oates goat? Oh yeah, this one time, campus television had a call-in show, and that's all it was. Local television call-in. So we would call in and say, hey, I'm Danimal the party animal, and I love to eat my own poop. <laughs> and then hang up. <laughs> and TV, did this become, like, did the newspaper pick this up? Like the campus newspaper or anything? The campus newspaper did not pick this up. It's a joke, right? It was just on the television show, but, like, Several people did it, and not much else was on campus television. How many viewers did you get, like, a good sense of the metrics? Like, how many people you were hitting with that? We don't have hard-hitting metrics back in this technology. Fair level. enough, fair enough. But it, it was a local scandal, and for Dan, it, it was very humiliating for him. <laughs> <laughs> what significance did that song have to any of this? Well, when it says every Monday I get this way, we would say every Monday I eat my poop. <laughs> and we made up new lyrics about the song, all about eating poop. And we would sing it without Danimal, he wasn't allowed to join us. <laughs> If he started, you'd all stop? Before we started drinking on Monday. I like this song. I think it's an alright song, too.
Every Monday I eat my poop. Every Tuesday I eat my poop. Every Friday I dock his poopies. Poisonous. Danimal is super lucky you weren't into The Cure because Friday I Am In Love has seven opportunities for that. Monday morning, eat my poop. Tuesday, I'm still eating poop. Wednesday, I like eating poop. It's Friday, eat some poop. I missed a day in there. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, eat some poop. Thursday, I'm still eating poop. Guess what? Friday, eating poop. Saturday, eat some poop. Sunday, I'm eating more poop. <laughs> you can just keep doing it. That's the whole song. Every line in that song offers an opportunity for poop eating. The more days of the week you name, the more opportunities you have to... Stick the knife in a man. <laughs> For no reason. I don't know you, you If only you could just find one that's a whole month. Like, we need to write a song that with every day in a month is accounted for. I think that's the next step. Until someone does something on YouTube that's like four hours long where they go through a whole year of events. <laughs> It's December 31st, I'm in love again. Uh, nope. Is that a New Year's song? Sure, why not? Right. I kind of want to put Gangrel's theme song back on again. No way, what's the next song? <laughs> this is The Microphones with The Moon. This is off their 2003 album, The Glow, Part 2. Uh, it got four and a half stars from allmusic.com. They said it was indulgent, yet unpretentious. <laughs> uh, this is a project of Phil Elvrum, who's from uh, Olympia, Washington, and frequently performed very near my college in uh, Tacoma, Washington, when I was... Uh, I was there in uh, 2003 to, through, uh, or 2006 through 2010. Did you like him then? Yeah, yeah. He, like, he would like, play in people's houses and whatever. Like, he was under the name Mount Erie at that point. Oh, that seems very cool. Mm -hmm. he's, uh, I think he's a very cool musician. I like this song a lot. So, uh, how old were you when you were listening to this one? Um, maybe like 23. Okay. Yeah. So this is like, this is past the usual window of this stuff, but, uh... No, no, I'm not, like, I'm sorry, I'm just, like, I'm just saying. So, like, where were you at this point? Like, you were out of college by then? Yeah, I was a paralegal. Uh-huh. At this, uh, this sort of suburban office of a law firm. And it was, like, just attorneys packed like mice in this concrete maze. Keep just, going. Just stuff. And I would just sit at a computer and do nothing. Like I would work three hours a day. I would take three hour lunches and I would make not a lot of money, 
but way more than no money just for doing nothing. I couldn't believe it. In the office, there was a woman. She was an overweight woman. I started emailing the cool kids, I, talking about her, calling her F, and then the at symbol. Like as a, oh, as a scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That as, took everyone a second. <laughs> like, as a mean name for her. And we would have these like inter-office email riff sessions on the socially weaker people. Uh-huh. It was incredible. I never got to be a bully before and it was exhilarating. <laughs> it seems like you had been a bully a numerous times before this. This was the best one. Remember when you <laughs> This thing is called fucking real. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so you became accepted by the vicious overclass of this office social dynamic. Like you were I couldn't believe that. I could get away with such cruelty so cavalierly. I'm so, this is killing me. Just like with the song, this feels like a one man show reaching its uh, its beautiful conclusion. So you're, you're in with this cool group. Yeah. I'm of course in love with the beautiful girl, but I can't, I can't talk to her. She's your Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. You're right, man. <laughs> this is all this dynamic. <laughs> So, wait, is, is Pam a dick, too? Is she also... There's a thing I learned on the Dwight. I was the Dwight all along. <laughs> and the thing is, the Dwight is a Dwight because he doesn't know he's the Dwight. <laughs> and then what happened? Uh, I forgot <laughs> <laughs> you wanna listen to Gangrel's theme song? <laughs> Have you used the Gangrel theme before? In it's Milner's? Just, it's just part of the Sadness Town playlist. It's part of it, it shows up on the stuff that I play before the show sometimes. I feel like that was a really beautiful moment that we all experienced together. Like, Michael made a breakthrough. <laughs> Do you still feel like you're the Dwight? No, man. No, I'm an Ubermensch beyond Jim. <laughs> Perfect human. <laughs> Yes, you are, Michael Foodie. Yes, you are. Michael Foodie, everybody. This has been something. Uh, Michael, where, they, where can people find you if they're listening to this or if they're here tonight? Friend me on Facebook. Wait, did someone just death threat right there? Like, what? I just heard in the grave. 
No, who said that? Who threat heckled Michael Foodie? Unless that was just in my head, in which case that is really... It was you, wasn't it, Ahmed? No. All right, we'll settle this later, but where, where can people find you, Michael? Uh, friend me on Facebook at Michael J. Foodie. You should, actually. Uh, Michael Foodie... Um, his Facebook is like, uh, it, it can't be a Twitter page, because everything is like a paragraph, at least. Like, like these are thoughts. These are like, uh, like, these aren't like pithy, like, like, oh, uh, at, uh, Ebola, I hardly know, uh, you know, it's not like shit like that, all right? Michael Foodie goes deep. And he, like, he grabs the heart of, of an issue, and he goes, Kalima! And then he fucking rips it <laughs> through its fucking chest. Uh, he's one of my favorite people to be Facebook friends with. Uh, so you should find him. Do you feel like we, uh, we plumbed the depths here, here tonight? I think it was a fun show. I had a good time. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> You guys, thank you for coming out. Uh, find other other shows on uh, whatever. <laughs> Nothing is going to be okay. <laughs>